You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. And a pass. Springs Holmstrom. He's in on the back end. He scores! Pondis Holmberg! Trade for Adam. Shot Biden. right off the faceoff. Scores! Sorry, Ralph. Even Philip Heedle shot it right from the faceoff circle. Chance now with a pass in front of the goal. They score! Philip Heedle gets his second of the period. He comes back with a shot and deflected in front of the goal. They score! Lilligren coming in late ties the game. Looks now. Camp goes to the bench. Miner comes off and cuts in front of the net. It's scored! Holy mackerel! What a move! to win the game 19 seconds into overtime and isn't that fun 19 seconds in to ot and it's the leafs that get the win thanks to some mitch marner magic ab the jump at the end made it a thing of beauty and just the fact that it was 19 seconds into overtime when we've become used to overtime kind of ending quickly but but generally not for the right team yeah not, not in season? favor of yeah, not in favor of Toronto. Typically, is is what we've come to expect. But uh, look, that was a that was a really nice play that they made last, that he made last night, like a heck of a goal. And you know, you got to give credit. Like that was that was just instinctual, right? He he saw that there was a, a lane for him to take, kind of barreled down, cut across the crease, and and deposited onto one of the best goalies um, in in the world. That's just the lead, but like in literally in the world. Uh, it was just a great, great play, and, and you know what? It's 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 a nice win to have. I think last night they didn't have their A game for the whole the whole no. game. Like, I, didn't, I didn't like their second period at all. Um, I thought that there was a, a bunch of plays they were a little sloppy last night. But to be able to finally hunker down the third period, tie it up, Timothy Lilligren ties it, brings it to overtime, and then they get the the win there, get the full two points. I guess a quality team, like a team that's going to be in the playoffs, a team that maybe they'll see down the road at some point, a team that was in the Eastern Conference Final a year ago. So, um, you know, was it the prettiest win? No, it was the prettiest ending to the win maybe that we've seen all year. But uh, two points is two points, and you're going to be happy with that. Yeah, promising stat last night was sent out by our pal Joe Del Buso at TSN. That was the Leafs' 14th comeback win of the season last night. That's tied for third most comeback wins uh, in the NHL this season. So uh, there was a point with this Leafs team, not this season, and and maybe not even last season, but when they were down, it felt like they were going to stay down. And and, and this team kind of finds a way, and that was the way that they won last night. Like you said, A.B., it wasn't the prettiest effort, the first and the second, it was kind of like, okay, they don't really have it tonight. We talked yesterday about it being kind of the dog days of the season and how um, the difficulty, the day-to-day difficulty is kind of understandable. It's January and you know who you're playing in the playoffs and you're a few days away from the All-Star game. Like a little lull in performance isn't egregious right now, but they found a way to win. They found a way to get the two points against, like you said, a New York Rangers team that's very good and a goalie who, who could be a game-breaker. And well, goalies are game breakers. Oh my gosh, it. we haven't even mentioned him. Well, I was about to bring him in there, and it's it's you know when you get the saves 
right? When you can get a couple saves, yep. it allows you to kind of work through those kinks, the sloppy, the lulls in play until, you know, you get your legs under you and you kind of take control back of the game. And that's really what Samsonov did last night. Like, yeah, the, you can poke fun at the goal that he allowed off the faceoff draw. Like, was he ready yeah. for that? I, I, no, I don't think he was. And he would even tell you, like, yeah, just, you know, it happens. And, and I liked what he actually had to say after the game, too. Um, when asked about the goal, he's like, I don't want to concentrate on that. I did a lot of good things tonight. That one, you know, I think he made a, a funny joke saying, hey, I should go buy a couple lottery tickets because he got lucky on that one. <laughs> Something to that effect. Yeah. But, you know, he, he did make, like, some really big saves. There's that one stick save he made in the first period that uh, got the place buzzing. Uh, it was it was a massive stop. He made a couple throughout the game. And, was there a Sammy? Like, I wasn't there. Was there a Sammy so chant at all? I don't, I don't know if I heard a Sammy chant going now that i think about i'm trying to remember like we kind of chatted about that yesterday how we did need to you know were we going to get a sammy chant because 14 and one at home like he needs some love at home julia i was thinking about this 14 and one right you can look at it that way the way that i like to look at it which to me is almost even more impressive even though it's the exact same statistic He's collected 29 of a possible 30 points on home ice oh this year. Oh, my gosh. That makes it sound way more staggering. Right? Doesn't yes. it? Makes it sound Context. Awesome. I like it. And, and like, you're just looking at the way that he's played of late. Like, he's really been getting this run. Coming in for Matt Murray in, Flor- in uh, yeah, against Florida, you know, he stopped all of the shots that he faced in that game. And he's really parlayed this into a terrific stretch of hockey. And, and in those five games, he's got a 944 save percentage and, you know, 4-0-1 in those games. So he's really uh, dialed in right now, Ilya Samsonov is. And, you know, we'll see if he gets the start tomorrow against the, the Senators. I think I, that's probably a game that I, I personally have penciled in for Matt Murray. I mean, that is five straight starts. Yep. He hasn't done that before um, this season. So I, I so think the Sens and then the a, Caps. a night off, then they the got goalie the Caps revenge Sunday, tour. right? Exactly, which is funny because it was the exact same thing earlier in the season, but it was reversed. I think they had the Caps first and then the Sens. But uh, assuming everything goes well, which it didn't go well the morning last time they played the Senators, we all know what happened to Matt Murray. Assuming all goes well, that's what I think we'll see going forward. But um, to go back to the point they were making before, you know, I think that if you could just get a couple of saves at the right time so that the game doesn't get away from you. And last year, a couple of years ago, we would see that happen every now and then, right? You're, you're down 2-1, and, and then you're down 3-1, 4-1, and the game's gone. Yeah. Samsonov didn't allow that to happen. He hasn't been allowing that to happen. So even when you're trailing, you know, you still have a chance because you're just down by one goal. You score. You tie it late with Lilligren. Great play by him. And then eventually, you know, you win it in overtime with the, the beauty Mitch Marn-Orr-esque play. Uh, and you end up collecting the win, and Samsonov win streak remains intact on home ice. Well, with that pun about the Marn-Orr, shall we get to our stays and our goes, A.B.? Absolutely. Let's hit it. Well, I suppose we should get going. All right, everybody, stay right where you are. Get the hell out of here. No, you stay here. You got to get going, so go. I'm sorry you came. Time now for stay. Nobody got a gun to your head. Or go. I'll be back. I want you to stay. So I guess the first one is obvious. A, B, Marn or... Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Beautiful, beautiful goal by Mitch Marner. And just like, a, again, an instinctual smart play realized, hey, I got a lane here. I'm going to take it and, and ends up winning the game in overtime. 
Uh, why don't we hear from the man himself? Uh, this was Mitch Marner last night after the OT winner. Yeah, um, great draw there by uh, David. Um, Timmy kind of took it up the ice, drew people towards him, dropped it back to me. I saw a lot of time and space and tried to come over the blue line. Um, decided, you know, what I was going to do, try to slow the play down, see if anything was going to open up. And so I had my own little lane and tried to take it. Just a beautiful nice. play. It was gorgeous. Beautiful. Oh, and did you see the, the photo of the goal, too, that's kind of oh, making its way around? so good. Oh, honestly, put it in the Louvre. Like, I want to get that picture. I might... I might blow that picture up and toss it on a wall somewhere in the house. It was honestly an outstanding photograph. I, I'm going to find out actually who took that picture because they deserve some credit. Because that's yeah. being floated around, but I don't know if there's any picture creds being associated with was it. it. Was it from the Leafs account? I think the Leafs, yeah, I think it was one of the Leafs pho- yeah. uh, photographers who that's got the That's the tragedy of being a team photographer or like a network photographer that you very rarely get credit for the... Like the photos that you take or the content yeah. that you produce, because it just goes out under the brand name. Uh, but that is an incredible photo. Like each, you could write up, write up on each individual fan's face in that picture and the way that they reacted there to was, that goal. There was the one late. I sent it to you guys yesterday. Yes. Uh, there was the one girl, and she, her her jaw was on the ground, yeah. and like her heads were, her hands were on her head. She was wearing a toque and a uh, a, a Leafs jersey. I thought it was hilarious. It's like right above the left post. It was so up, wholesome. See, you'll see who I'm talking about. And, and there was a lot of Leaf fans, I'm sure, who shot up from their couch doing that exact same motion and made the exact same face because it was just such a, a beautiful, beautiful goal. I mean, that's that's right up there. That's probably the, the the nicest goal that we've seen from the Leafs this year. I mean, I'm, I know it's it's not uh, it's not Friday yet, but I would imagine that no one's getting, like, that's that's the Sundeem. We'll already give it away. Like, that 100% oh, has yeah. got to be the Sundeem for the most dynamic, best play of the, of the week. That that might be the, the yearly Sundeem. That's going to be tough to beat. Yeah, it, it, especially the fact that it was an OT. It was gorgeous. It was beautiful and gorgeous and, and every and on bit is magical. And of, on one world. of the best goal in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Another stay for me, though, was, was Timothy Lilligren and just, like, him – continuing to impress and evolve as a hockey player. Um, you know, I, I think that he's come up this season and really, I guess it kind of started last year, like like just learning off of Mark Giordano, gaining some confidence, and it's rolled into this year. You know, he was put in a, in a, in a difficult decision. Well, not difficult for him, I guess, but he's put in, a, in a, a spot that he was unused to when the injury started to, to creep up and he had to move up in the lineup. And he yeah. took that opportunity, and he's really run with it. And now he's being given more opportunities. He was up on a top pair with Morgan Riley for a little bit. Now, you know, chilling on a second pair with Mark Giordano and, and still getting some quality minutes, 21 minutes, 55 seconds he played last night. And just you look at the game-tying goal from that game, it's just a great vision for, for Timothy Lilligren to realize, hey, I can get down here, hope for a rebound, and try and deposit it. There's some traffic in front. Maybe the goalie won't see what's going on, and it'll work out in, in his favor. And and it did. Um, led all Leafs last night and expected goals four at five on five and on the ice. Uh, had a team high 10 high danger chances when he was out there on the ice. So I, I thought Timothy Lilligren. And then also assisted on the Marner play. And Marner gave yeah. him some love. You know, dragged a couple of guys to him as he had the puck and then gave it to, to Mitch, who was able to make that play. You know, he made some good d- defensive plays as well. Uh, I-, I think that his all-around game is really starting to to shape it up here, and he's turning into a quality top four defenseman for this team. 
Yeah, totally agree. I thought Hayes had a good point last night. There was so much, because Timothy Lilligren has had kind of an interesting trajectory in the whole like mono thing in his draft year, and nobody really knew what to expect. And then yeah. there was an overwhelming sense that he was such a steal because he was sick in his draft year and, and was it, it, he was in just felt like he was in the minors forever. And I thought Hayes made a great point in saying like you can't overbake a player in the minors, especially I think a defenseman. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, to, to take a term that I'm sure that you heard a lot yesterday doing the CHL panel uh, for the, the top prospects games, which we're going to have Craig on in a little bit, and, and we can get into the fun that you guys had last night. Uh, Central scouting, right, European skaters, he was one of the top at the start of the season. So he was supposed right. to be a top five prospect at the draft. So when he fell after being sick that year, slipped all the way down to at least at 17, and, and it was like, okay, what do we have here? We didn't get to see a whole lot of them. But there was promise last season where he was – highly regarded prospect and it just took him a little bit to get there then he had to adjust to the north american ice and now we're seeing like okay this is why he was a highly regarded prospect right he's got you know he has those offensive instincts in his game he was drafted as like an offensive guy and he had to work on on his defensive game and he did that they over ripened him and seasoned him a lot in the american league and now you're seeing those start to kind of come through and he's becoming a well-balanced good 200 foot player a delicious ripened fruit if you will yeah, I think Sheldon Keith actually had. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do I want to go there? You didn't even acknowledge it. I okay, so we're gonna go completely off uh, off base Where are you here going? for a second. I have to acknowledge something. I made a tweet the other day about Asian pears. I don't know if you saw this. Oh I yeah, them one of the most underrated fruit. I hadn't had one in a while, but I remember. Well, I gotta I was Google here. like what's the discrepancy between an Asian pear and just your standard pear, buddy? It kind of looks oh, like the- an apple. Yeah, more circular, okay. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's delicious. It's super juicy wow. and sweet, and they're fantastic. I might be allergic. Why? I might be allergic. So I didn't realize this, but when I tweeted that out yesterday, again, it was the first time I'd had one in a long time, but I remembered when I had it, oh, so juicy. I was like, this is amazing. And then I, I had like a, a, I don't know, a, a throat issue afterward. I thought it was something else that I had ate, and I was like, I don't know what's going on here. Oh, my here. gosh. So then I didn't really think anything of it, and then yesterday I had another one, and my throat started to like close up on me again. Like So, so I think it's the Asian pear. Yeah. I don't know what's going on here. So under control. I, yeah, I might have to do a little bit of an allergy test, but yeah, you, you're bringing up fruits, and you know, fruits might be might 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 be no good for for Al's brother. I don't know. I'm gonna okay. have to check that out. But stick uh, to the wings and the charcuterie boards, buddy. No more that's fruit. It. It's dangerous. That's right. That's right. Um, fruit is dangerous. You gotta stick to the high cholesterol uh, <laughs> cured meats. That's right. That's what gets gets, gets me going. <laughs> okay, we were talking about Lilligren, and I'm gonna trans. I'm gonna do a quick transition from says to goes for a moment because I think I I am over the current format of the power play in 10th place in the league right now yeah it, it should be it like the Leafs should always have one of the best power plays in the league just based upon the way the team is built if you're going to be so top heavy and that was their bread and butter for a long time like remember the whole toughness <laughs> our toughness is our power play type of thing <laughs> that was a, a thing <laughs> at one point you remember that I remember that comment I do remember yeah. a comment like that yeah I forget who even made it but anyways the God bless Morgan Riley. Morgan Riley's been running that power play for a long time. Is it time to hand over the keys maybe for a little bit to Timothy Lilligren or AB? Am I off base here? And is the right play when it's January and you've got Morgan Riley, who you just signed to an eight-year ticket, like is, is what you want to do have him figure it out in, in at this point in the season? Well, I can, take that, 
I could take that in a few different avenues. And maybe this is something that we could chat about with Jonas Siegel. He's going to yeah, join us in about 10 minutes, too. Um, I could take it in a few different avenues. Do we want to see Morgan Riley work out the kinks? And to your point, yeah, he's making a lot of money. Yeah, it was Babcock who, who said that back in the Babcock days. Uh, producer oh, just, right. Just noted that. Um, you know, Morgan Riley, he's, he's, he's making a lot of money, like as you noted. And if he's not picking up points on the power play, you know, he's not going to be making – He's not that value's not going to be there because he's only going to be yeah. chilling in like the thirty to forty point range. And for a guy who's making eight million bucks, who doesn't really play particularly well in his own zone some of the time, uh, and isn't also <laughs> contributing on the power play, I mean that's that's not going to look good. That it's just flat out not going to look good. So I think they in a way have to work it out. But my question is like, why isn't it working? Because he was I don't the man. know. He was the number one. Like, this was the top power play you did a year ago with Morgan Riley. Like, what's yeah. different? What's changed? Why isn't it working? I, I think they have to figure that out. I, I don't know. If, like, they tried going with the 5 forward unit a little bit, and there was some, some success. You know, sometimes there wasn't, you know, as much, and they've decided to go back to it with Morgan Riley now that he's healthy again. But are you suggesting, like, potentially get Timmy Lilligren a, a little sniff some... at, the peep, at the power play? I, I just think that this is probably the time to do it, right? In, in the season, when you're trying things out, when you know you've already got Tampa in the postseason, like, why not try that and get a look at it? You don't know what happens in the postseason. You don't know who gets injured. Morgan Riley's missed quite a bit of time this year. Like, you just don't know. So I think it, it might be a good idea to try just something a different look there because they've got to start producing more on that power play there has yeah. to be more chaos in front i i don't know somebody just texted us and i don't hate that, it i don't hate it I'll no say, i don't hate that. it at all either you know what i do hate? i hate no, that I mean, me morgan riley have the same amount of goals right now i don't i dislike that <laughs> that's not fun yeah that's that's fair i, I meant i don't that's hate tough. Your, your i meant the your suggestion about lilligren i don't hate okay. i don't hate it I really wait let's I, go through a couple texts for a moment Okay. Uh, someone texted us and said that they don't think that Riley's the power play issue. It's the lack of movement by the five-man unit. Like, they need a new style, more of a coaching issue, this this person points to. And you know what? That's true. Like, I can't think of the last time that Austin Matthews has been in that spot. And, and we know the well, spot that I'm talking about and, and taking a rip from there. Yeah, so... But it does was, run through the point. But you know what, though? That was one of the things that I found they had why their five-man unit, when they went to the five-forward unit where they found some success, was because they were constantly moving and they were stretching out the PK and, and stretching out the defensemen and the forwards and opening up some seam passes for a lot of stuff. And there was more trigger men. They're very fluid, whereas things are a little bit more stagnant, I guess, when, when Riley's out there because guys have their more set spots as to where they're supposed to be. So yeah. in a way, does that mean that this power play is a little more predictable? Perhaps, and that could be why they're not having as much success. So, you know, if you change it up a little bit, like, I don't know, though, with Lilligren, I guess he'll be stuck in that same spot but Lilligren presents maybe a little bit more of a shot threat like we've seen yes him. He can unleash true a bomb. so maybe there is a case to be made for giving him an opportunity uh up on up on the top power play unit maybe you go back to the five forward unit but I think ultimately what the team would prefer is to figure it out with Morgan Riley because they got an eight-year commitment with this guy. And if he's not quarterbacking your power play, yeah. um, he's not doing a whole lot for you in the defensive zone. I mean, for you just need a little bit more out of him 
to justify that type of ticket, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. So it makes sense to me that they are just kind of letting him work it out right now. But I, I don't know. If, yeah, I think at some point maybe Lilligren should get a sniff. But I also understand the angle of Morgan Riley's got to figure it out back there. A couple of other texts that we need to address. Asian pears were originally grown as pig's food. There's no nutritional oh. value for humans. Oh, wow, they're full what? of water, H2O, no? It's yeah. Just, <laughs> and then know. someone else said, no Oriental cruises for Al's brother. Only Caribbean cruises for Only you, Only Caribbean? Oh, I might be going on a European one this summer. We'll see. What? We'll see. What? Your third cruise of the year that'll be? I guess uh, it'll be second no, of the calendar year, I suppose. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But of the hockey season. My it'll... calendars work in hockey seasons. <laughs> well, it'll be after hockey season. It'll be after the season's over, after free agency yeah, and all yeah. that stuff, you know? Oh, my gosh. You're uh, so funny. But anyways, I, I'll be really upset because I, I, I truly enjoyed that Asian pear the other yeah. day. And if I'm allergic to them, maybe it was just the pesticides. Maybe What's the worst? It, I feel like your enough. mom has the worst allergy. Your mom is allergic to garlic, right? Like, that's a tough one. Yeah, she's got a garlic intolerance. So, like, I grew up, and as an Italian, probably yeah. tough to do. But I grew up, like, not really eating garlic at home. So when I broke off to university, <laughs> I realized how good garlic was. Like, game changer, and I, eh? It's a game changer. I started using it. I, I, like, went out and I bought, like, my own garlic mincer, and I would <laughs> put it in my sauces, and, you know, and I would make my pastas. And, and oh, yeah, garlic is uh, it's a, it's a delicious thing. That's for sure. Oh. Garlic can stay in my life. Yeah. It's a stay for me. Garlic's a stay for me. You got Go any other allergies? Mom. Honestly, I, I, no, I, I did not know about the Again, th I have so zero weird. allergies. My whole life, I haven't. And then in the last week, this Asian pear has given me an issue twice, like closed up my throat. It was really bizarre. I oh couldn't my gosh. swallow. Yeah, like, you know, like you try and take a swig of water. Like, I, it, was, it was really yeah, bizarre. I, I thought I was going to drop dead. Yeah, it was, no, don't it was do that strange. on SAB. We need your tremendous information no. and your entertainment yeah, on a day-to-day. -day. I, I had to tell my boy Mario, my roommate, I'm like, hey, if you ever come in and you see me drop dead chilling on the floor, no, it was probably an Asian pear that killed me. It was probably, or the pesticides that's on it, I don't know. But uh, I had to figure that one out. That's um, funny. Anything else from last night's game sticking out yeah, to you in your mind? Yeah, like let's, let's, let's hit, hit, hit up the goes because, you know, I, I didn't like their second period at all. You know, God, and, no. and there, I, I really thought that they played extremely sloppy in that second period. I thought Samsonov was a little unfocused. Like, for the most part, he had a pretty solid game. But, you know, we, we talked about the face-off goal. It just seemed like he wasn't ready. His stick wasn't on the ground. He didn't seem like he was set properly, ready to for that opportunity. So I, I, I didn't like it so much. There's also a couple other things that I noted from Samsonov. Both power plays that the Maple Leafs had in the second period, Samsonov didn't whack the stick he didn't alert them that the power play was coming to an end and and to watch for the guy coming out of the box and it actually caught them the one time um i think it was hedel when hedel came out of the box ended up with a breakaway chance and luckily yeah. it didn't turn out to be a goal but you know that's just you know something where it's like yeah, he seemed a little unfocused after he allowed that first goal and then the second goal came in um, they were caught with, with the too many men on the ice penalty. The power play was sloppy, you know, turnovers. They lost nearly every single puck battle. Just the physicality in that game. There was a lack of engagement in the second period in particular. Um, so that second, I thought, was, was not great. And, you know, luckily for Toronto, they were only down 2-1 heading into the third. So they only needed one goal to claw back into it, which eventually they got from Timmy Lills. And then, uh, obviously, Marner wins the game in overtime. But I just, you know, the, the, 
it's it was very reminiscent of the game in Montreal, where it's like they just yeah. for a whole for one whole period, just a lack of engagement. I just don't understand why the Leafs can't put together a solid fifty to sixty minute game here. There seems to be one period in every game where they're just a little bit lackadaisical, and it, it you know sometimes they can uh, withstand it like last night, but sometimes they can't, like you saw happen in Montreal. Yeah, to me it does lend a little bit to what I said off the top. Like it feels like it's been a thing as of the last week or two. It hasn't been a yeah. consistent well, thing. Just like and the, the the funny thing is to to kind of further your point. We talked about this yesterday a lot. How Keith changing up the lines and changing up, you know, bringing guys in and out. Does that give them something to play for? You know, their spots in the lineup. I thought jo- Joey Anderson was probably the, the most notable player in the second oh, period. Oh, I meant to shout out the fourth line in general. Like, they, I, I liked what they had going on last night. For all the chat that we had about the fourth line yesterday and what they looked like in the postseason and going up against Pat Maroon and, and yeah. Corey Berry, like, I liked what the Leafs' fourth line was bringing, bringing last night. You could tell that they wanted another game in, in the lineup. Yeah, I think Joey Anderson, you know, you, you want to go back to a stay. He deserves to stay in the lineup. I think he yeah. earned himself another game here against Ottawa tomorrow night. You know, drew a couple of penalties, uh, you know, made a nice play to get the puck to Holmberg on the opening goal there. And like I said, he was maybe one of the only guys who was engaged in puck battles in that second period. So uh, I, I think Joey Anderson probably deserves to, to stick in the lineup and get another game here. You know, that's unfortunate for a guy like Zach Aston Reese. But, hey, when you find yourself out of the lineup um, because of your play, because of your inconsistent play, that's kind of the point why they take you out. It's like, well, this is what happens. If you don't want to come out of the lineup, then you got to make sure you stay in the lineup by playing well. I mean, I, I remember I was told, you know, at a young age in, in, in football, like that you never want to come out. Like my high school coach always told me, you never, ever want to lose your spot because it's a lot easier uh, to hold it when you're there than it is to get it from somebody else. Such a good point, yeah. So when you give it up to Joey Anderson, he goes out and he performs the way he did. Well, there's nothing you could do to say, hey, I I need that spot back. You know, Joey's got to lose it. But if he's got the motivation to stay in the lineup based on the way he played last night, I mean, Zach Aston-Reese might might take a seat tomorrow night as well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's a good point. It's easier to stay in than it is to get back in. Uh, All right. uh, We got to fly. We got Jonas Siegel coming up on the other side, JT. We'll chat a little bit about your, your time at the Prospects game. Last night as well. We, we haven't brought that up, but you were on the panel. Craig J. Button will join us in the 1 o'clock hour. We can break it down with him as well. Uh, I'm Mike DiStefano with Julie Tasheri. Jonas Siegel coming up next here on Leafs Lunch. Bad news has done it again. Now, back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Uh, yes. The music of John Tavares' people. Apparently. Get out of your vehicle lease. ASAP. Over 200,000 customers per month looking to take over your lease. What a relief. Go to leasebusters.com. Welcome back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. It's Julia and AB with you. The Leafs took the win in OT last night over the New York Rangers thanks to some Mitch Marner magic. Magic also, AB. Even though you're allergic, you ate a couple of them. Our producer, Steph, has confirmed that Asian pears actually have a lot of nutritional benefits. So they were good for you before you were allergic. 
I was going to say, it's not what I wanted to hear. I actually liked it better when I thought they had no nutritional value because it's, it's a piece of healthy food items that I thoroughly enjoyed, but turns out uh, I might be allergic and, and might not be able to eat them. I bet you the guy on the line is a big Asian pear guy. He strikes me as one. Jonas Siegel? Yeah, let's, let's, is it let's true? Ask. Asian pear guy? I got to be honest. I'm not a big pear person in general. Like I don't dislike them, but I never seek them out. <laughs> Asian yeah. pears are different, though. Like these, I, these they're are, a little they're bit soft. too. Yeah, pears are a little bit of a mess to eat. Like you got to be leaning over the sink sometimes, and I don't love that in a fruit. Yeah, I'm like more of an apple person, and like I'll eat Asian any pear is like fruit, an apple. But, uh, <laughs> no, it's like, yeah, sorry. All right, fair enough. I mean, I can't eat them anyways now. Apparently, I might be allergic, which is really unfortunate because I'm a big fan. Uh, I don't know if you heard the song that we were coming into. Um, I did. But Celine Dion. And, you know, you uncovered some, some really interesting, interesting things about John Tavares and your latest piece that you put out in The Athletic this morning. One of which apparently is a big Celine Dion fan. Was that one of the more like interesting factoids that you learned about uh, the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs? Yeah, I feel like I had heard that somewhere in uh... – just couldn't figure out where and like I remember I think he's like a big Mariah Carey fan too at some point like there's just like little weird things like that everybody has and like I just wanted to find some stuff out about him that I didn't know just because he's been around so long like I was thinking because he's got his thousandth game coming up I was thinking back to like man like I've seen his basically his entire career like I remember the press conference that Brian Burke gave where he was like the Leafs are going to try to trade for the number one pick to take John Tavares. And it's like, oh, my God, like now he's playing a thousand <laughs> game. He's been in the league so long. And it's like you still feel like you don't know all that much about him. So I just wanted to see if there was anything else I could find that I didn't know. What else did you find? What was the most intriguing thing you found out about uh, John Tavares when interacting with his teammates? I thought that stuff that he's like actually like such a foodie was, was kind of interesting to me, like, like an extreme foodie, like Alex Kerfoot told me, like he would plan in advance the restaurant that they were going to go to in a certain city. Like he had scoped it out. He knew what he was going to order. Like he likes like really good restaurants, the stuff about like bringing olive oil with him on the road to some restaurants and bringing like sea salt in his backpack, like all that stuff. You think of him as being very, organized and detail oriented and all that I think is very true. Keeping his airplane window window open, I think is like something that a lot of people would be annoyed by. And I think his teammates are sometimes annoyed by it, but like he is just so locked in and like some of the stuff that didn't make the story just because there just wasn't room is like, I think he keeps his schedule like down to like the minute. Like I think he's super, super, super organized that way, which I don't think is really that surprising. Uh, it just it just reminds you like why a guy can continue to be effective at his age at his point in his career like he's on point per game pace basically he'll probably score thirty goals he's having a good year I think the last two games I was thinking this walking home after the game last night is like I think that's as good as he's looked maybe since that first year in Toronto like yeah he's just been on it he's looked great uh, we're with Jonas C- go ahead AB well I'm just curious how much you think like uh, just reading your piece seeing how, as you said, methodical the guy is with what he puts in his body, like how much that has allowed him to be so successful and be, you know, the longevity and the, the as Craig Button puts it, the model of consistency that he's been, you know, into his 30s, into his career. 
Yeah, it has to matter, right? Like, it has to matter that you take all that stuff so seriously. Like, even something as small as, like, Jason Spezza brought up that they really like to play cards and, like, they like to get the John Tavares to play cards. But one of the issues is, like, he doesn't want to play that long because he doesn't want his sleep cycle to be interrupted. And it's just, like, little things like that where he is thinking with performance and longevity in mind. And I remember talking to him early in the year just about longevity and, like, what he wanted the ongoing stages of his career to look like. And he brought up some guys like, like Joe Pavelski was one player he brought up just guys who have been able to age really gracefully and continue to find ways to, to be effective. And I think that you see he's willing to continue to tweak things. Like I I've been really interested in the work that he's continued to do on his skating. Like he is working with their skating coach constantly. Yeah. And that's something that dates back to the summer where he just wanted to be lighter on his feet. Like you can really notice that specifically in these last few weeks where suddenly he looks quicker again. And it's like, if you're willing to do all that other stuff and then you're willing to change and tweak things to still be effective, like obviously you're going to be able to have a long career. Would you categorize him as, as maybe underappreciated by the fans here in Toronto? That's a good question. I don't know. Like he's, he's firmly there. Like he, it's just, he's surrounded by such splashy stars and like, yeah. how could he not fall behind Matthews, Marner, Nylander? You know what I mean? Like he's just, and he's not like exciting like those guys. Totally. And we, and he's more like, this is part of the story. Like he's just more boring. not the right word, but he's so serious. And like, he's such a professional that there's not really like, he's not excitable that way as, as opposed to like someone like Nylander who's coming to like post game press conferences and like green, flashy suits you know what i mean yeah he's cerebral i think like is is a, is a ah. word that i could use to describe i think i saw last night he had, like seven slot shots he's just like he's just getting he into the right oh he was he was absolutely on it last night he was fantastic uh in conversation with jonas siegel of the athletic another guy who was on it last night and has been now for the past little bits timothy lilligren uh big goal to tie things up assisted on the game winner he's been eating up a lot of minutes lately too with all the injuries that's been on the blue line um you know how impressed have you been with the way that his game has progressed this season and do you have trust that you know he's turning into a guy that sheldon keep could look at and use in in a top four role come playoff time yeah, it's impressive just because you think back to last year and like obviously he took a step last year where he was able to play regularly, but then you tend to forget what happened in the playoffs where he starts in games one and two playing with Mark Giordano and then it doesn't go well at all in his first NHL playoff games and literally he is out of the lineup for the rest of that series and now it's like he's playing 22 minutes a night. Some nights he's playing top competition. He's been in their top four and it's like that's a pretty – significant development and I think it's really interesting when you think about the trade deadline and what that means like one of the things that, that Kyle Dubas said when he came out and spoke after the news about Jake Puzzin that he you know wasn't going to be coming back anytime soon and wouldn't be reevaluated until the end of February was he said now we're going to get to basically see Sandy and Lilligren have to take on more and we're going to have to decide if what we see from them if they're able to elevate their games is enough and whether that's going to be enough to get them basically deep in the playoffs. And I still don't know the answer to that question. I think it's been encouraging for them just how Lilligren has responded to more responsibility, more minutes. Um, he's getting some power play time. He kills penalties. Like, he does a little bit of everything. I still don't know what that means as far as, like, do you go out and get another defenseman knowing that 
if you do that, you're you're potentially knocking Rasmus Sandin out of the lineup or Lilligren or whoever. I, I I think that's a really difficult, hard conversation for the front office to have to figure out. Yeah, Carlo made a good point this morning on First Up saying that like Sandine and Lilligren have made major strides and you can try to get an update upgrade on the blue line if you want, but if you want to re-sign these guys, at some point you you got to give them a little bit of trust in the postseason. I, I wanted to ask you about Lilligren and the power play, Jonas. Where are you at with the Leafs on the man advantage? And I, I'm, I'm mostly asking about Morgan Riley and, and his lack of production on the man advantage. And if you think that maybe it's time to give Lilligren a look back there, or if you think that the Leafs are doing the right thing and opting to let Morgan Riley kind of figure it out uh, in the quarterback position at a time in the season when they have the flexibility to let guys work through things. I actually really liked their top unit uh, last night. I thought that's that's the best their top unit has looked in a while. They didn't score, obviously, but I thought they were on it. And he was, I think one one thing that really stuck out from that game and Riley in particular is like he was putting pucks on net and that was having an effect. Like I'd highlighted it in a story recently, just how little he had shot the puck this year. He's obviously never going to shoot the puck a lot because of the guys he's playing with. Yeah. Um, but just a little bit more to keep defenses honest, honest to, to create rebound opportunities. I, I still think that's the right way to go to have him on the point of their first power play unit. Like I, there are things I would experiment with, but I think they kind of need to get that established going into the playoffs because one thing we've seen from them in the past few years is in the second half their power play has really fallen off and it's been an issue in the in the playoffs. I don't like their second unit though. Like I, I but I don't know what you do. They just. When you load up, you, you kind of lose a little bit of punch with the second unit. But obviously, it's a good thing for them. Like, they get Sandine Logan's and power play minutes, and that's experience that can't hurt them in the long run. We're chatting with Jonas Siegel of The Athletic. Um, you know, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, they were put together last night, uh, reunited, if you will. And I thought that it was a, very similar to what was going on, I guess, prior to them being separated, right? They're showing flashes of dominance and flashes of, of, you know, what we saw last year, but no, no finish. You know, Matthews, again, missing the net a couple of times last night. Just some, you know, unlucky play, I guess you could say, when those two were out on the ice. I mean, what what did you make of, I guess, their uh, their return as a line together? I felt exactly the same way. I felt like yeah. it felt exactly like it did before. And it, I don't know. There was just something. It had gone a little bit stale with the two combinations, Matthews, Neander, Marner, Tavares. I just prefer that. Like, I, I think it makes them a little bit more balanced. I think it, it gives opposing teams a little bit more to think about. And I just really like the Matthews-Neander combination. I just think Neander brings such a different dynamic just because he is such a threat to shoot. And I think we saw when they were really going uh, that he was – you know, he was like benefiting off of Matthews. Matthews is creating so many opportunities for him and vice versa. Uh, I just think Neander had kind of cooled off a little bit. I, I hadn't really liked his game before that little breakout in the second period. Like it felt like he had fallen off and obviously he had the goal drought. I, I still would go back to the way it was. And one thing I, I like that you kind of lose when you put Marner with Matthews is that you always had that little option to go to in the middle of a game when things were flat. You know, you could always just flip the combos and you could get Matthews with Marner, and that really seemed to give them a spark. And when you have them together, like, you just kind of lose that element a little bit. So, I don't know. We'll see where this goes. 
Yeah, I, I although Shelton Keith kind of did that last night. I think he alluded to it post game too. Just the fact that he put Nylander and those three together created a little bit of a spark in that third period that ultimately kind of led to them getting the tying goal. So there still is kind of something in Keith's back pocket. Well, that's actually some, so. I'm writing about that for Monday. That's actually something I would really like to see them do more. Is I'd like to see more Nylander, Matthews, Marner. Mm. Just. It's something that, that Keefe will go to when things were are a little bit stale, and that's what happened. Like midway through that third period, he put Marner, Neilander, Matthews out there for an offensive zone draw. They had like 40 seconds of zone time, so he did it again. And it's just like when you get into a playoff series, if you can have that card in your back pocket where it's like, you know what, there's, there's not been much happening. We're going to play those three guys together for a game. It's just like if you can have that chemistry kind of built in, I don't know. That's something I'd like to see them experiment with a little bit more in the second half. Interesting. I always like your ponderings, Jonas, and we'd be <laughs> just remiss to not have you ponder a little bit about the trade I, deadline for us. It, well, it's the things I think I think. I know. I love, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Everything kind of crosses over. Like it ends up becoming the same. So I got to be conscious of that. <laughs> I know. It's the best. Uh, so what? Are, what? What's? What are you pondering recently when it comes to the Leaves and their approach to the trade deadline? Well, I mentioned the D, and and one thing I've been thinking about is, like, how big of a splash will they make, should they make? And i just like to see them really take a shot. Like, I I, I was thinking back um, to, obviously, what they've done in past trade deadlines, and it's just, like, I was thinking about Patrick Kane. and like, you're probably not going to get Patrick Kane, but, like, if you get Patrick Kane, how many goals is that adding in a playoff series, five, six, like you're, you're getting something really tangible. And so I'd like whatever they do to be significant to actually, like if, if you're kind of tinkering around the edges, you, you might not get anything of value from that. Like obviously someone like Kane or any of these high profile forwards who might be available are going to cost you a lot, but at least you know you're going to get something good in a playoff series and maybe multiple playoff series and maybe – a cup. So that's kind of what I've been thinking about is like, I, I'd like to see them do something that actually tips the scales and actually, you know, really gives them a lift as, and, and I don't know, like raises their ceiling more than, I don't know, like a depth move or something minor. Uh, so tomorrow, I think we've got uh, Matt Murray's likely to get the start against his former team, Jonas, uh, just because he hasn't played since, what, last Tuesday? And we all know it didn't go very well, but uh, Sam Stiles played exceptional since. But do you think that because of that, he might be feeling a bit more pressure to make the most of that opportunity? 100%. I would think so. I mean, you're seeing the other guy kind of take the net, right? And, like, he was brought in to be that guy. Like, we can talk all we want, like, both guys were going to get an opportunity, blah, blah, blah. Like, if you gave the Leafs front office truth serum, like, the idea was that Matt Murray is going to be the guy, and I'm sure Matt Murray felt like he was going to be the guy. So now, like, that's competition. I, I'm sure they're happy with this. Like, it's internal competition. Suddenly you've got the guy, Samsonov, pushing the other guy who was supposed to be the guy. And, and like, one thing I, I've been impressed with with Matt Murray so far this year is he hasn't really had, like, any long dips. Like, whenever he's had a bad start, for the most part, he's come back and had a good start, and maybe even a couple good starts. And, like, he's had back-to-back starts now where he's not been very good. Um, so I'll be curious to see how he responds the next time he gets back in the net. I, like, I, I'm with you. I think it would be 
Friday against his old team, and then Samsonov can play his old team on Sunday and just kind of get that symmetry. Um, but, yeah, it's an interesting time for their crease just because, like, one guy is starting to pull ahead. Uh, so now how does the other one respond? Really quickly, so you're going to be back on overdrive on Tuesday, and I assume the term Jonas and his cronies will be yeah, thrown out I, there. I, you know what? I'm going to get some. I've gotten some cronies. I'm I'm gathering the posse. Nice. So I'm, uh, who are the cronies that you think he refers to? Because I'm almost thinking that I might be linked into that group of, of cronies with you, Jonas. Do you want to be a crony? Julia, you guys can both be cronies if you want I mean, what is what does that entail? Being one of Jonas's cronies? Tell us I everything. Think it's just like it's just backup. Like you just gotta have my back. You gotta have support. I oh, think we, we definitely can do have that. To throw like a lot of yeah, right. Like some stats, just some things to get those guys off kilter. I don't know where these cronies came from, but I'm I'm in. Like if <laughs> did he you wants see... me to have a, a crony, I, I have it. Did you see Al's brother's tweet yesterday about the Vancouver Canucks and, and their prior to the mess that happened last night, their debut game under Rick Talkin, which they beat the Blackhawks? AB no. threw out some stats last night, and Carlo was just like, he just didn't know how to decipher it last night. He was still pondering all those stats last night at, uh, when we were at the Top Prospects game. Well, so it's just know what like I love, they had. Though, guys, like, and you guys know this. Now I start to hear, like, when I listen to Overdrive or I listen to Carlo and AK, it's like, now you, you start to hear some of these stats. Oh, the yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Ah, interesting. So I don't know if you were listening. I think it was with MJ maybe it was. Uh, yeah, I think it was Hayes. Was, they were talking with MJ, and they were bringing up. It was back when the goaltending wasn't great. And Hayes brought up the low team save percentage, but then linked it in reference to Team, the team having one of the best indivi- uh, expected goals against numbers and how yeah. that correlated. And I was like, whoa, expected goals coming out of Hazy B's mouth. I think uh, I think our cronies, and I am going to join you because I think you have to be a, a numbers believer to be included in that crony discussion. I think our us cronies are starting to, to make believers out of some people there, Jonas. So like keep doing it. God's work, pal. Keep doing <laughs> God's work. Let's get those numbers out there. Because numbers matter. They don't tell the whole story, but usually they tell a good portion of it. All right, Preach. Preach. Preach it. Preach. All right. Good chatting with you as always, buds. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, guys. All right. There he goes. Jonas Siegel of The Athletic. Yeah, he'll be back on Overdrive on uh, on Tuesday. And the Cobra will come back, actually. He's referenced as the Cobra. Love it. For whatever reason. Yeah, Cobra and, and Jonas and his cronies. Those... Those two phrases will definitely be in play Tuesday on Overdrive. All right, uh, coming up on the other side, there was some really cool audio that was posted by the Maple Leafs yesterday. Michael Bunting mic'd up at practice. We'll listen to some of that. And Steve Bellicat joined Overdrive and shared a really interesting uh, stat. You want to talk about analytics? This guy's got his own analytics company. He dropped a a pretty cool stat um, kind of depicting why Samsonov has had uh, so much success of late over Matt Murray. So we'll share that one. And Craig Button still to join the show as well. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tashiri. You listen to Lee's Lunch here on TSN 1050. Take my breath. I don't think they're coming out. Yeah, there, guys. What's that? What's on my bucky? Oh, no. 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 They got me, Where'd didn't you, they? <laughs> <laughs> no. Like I I had tears in the locker while sitting there. I had tears coming out of my eyes. I was wondering why 
Michael, Michael, and I was like, what's going on here? They got me. Leaves Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards available for purchase at Petro Canada, the perfect gift for any occasion. That was Michael Bunting, mic'd up at practice last night. Um, he was pranked hilariously <laughs> by his Leafs teammates in a is way that... that, like, it's a funny prank. I mean, okay, so they put his name on his bucket. It says but Michael just... across the front of his bucket, like you do when you're eight years old and yeah, practice with your like I teammates. used to coach hockey it. camps for little kids and they'd all yeah. have their little their little names on their little helmets <laughs> so funny just but, especially the fact that it was fully Michael not even Mike or not even no. like Bunce well, or something like that it was a full Michael Michael which which I mean I appreciate the the name Michael it's a great name maybe one of the best in all the land I will say um I I, I just like it's one of the most unoriginal pranks out there right like yeah. just put it the, that is it so was... original i've never seen that done before really no i don't think I so i feel like we used to we used to do we didn't put people's names but like clear I remember, tape on the blade or I remember something practice, like that it, like in practice sometimes you put not not the person's name but you would take off their name that they would put on it and put somebody else not someone else's name you put like a nickname or you put something that's not great, like ogre or something on it or something. Like, like for football? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in high school. Oh, like we, there, why were there names on your helmet in high school? Like I because feel like you we put should be on, making fun of that. Just, well, it's the same thing. It's like day one, you put it on your you put on your bucket, and then it was only like for the first like week or two or whatever. And then once okay. you got to game day, you would rip it off, obviously. But right. for whatever reason, you put it on, and you just kind of forget about it. And some people would take it off, and they would put. Sometimes some profanity things that aren't radio-friendly that you would put on the person's helmet, and they'd have no idea. Like, you'd be sitting there calling the guy Ogre, and he'd be like, why are you referring to me as Ogre? And it's because it says it right across your forehead. (laughs) That is so funny. I don't know. There's there's, – one of my – like, I love – for me personally, like, I know it's a very unoriginal prank, but, like, the water bottle prank is always the best. We just yeah. you don't un, you, you unscrew the cap and someone goes to chuck the water in the back of their throat and it just bursts all over them. I hate when I do it to myself though. Have you ever done that to yourself? Yeah. You, what? For whatever reason, just like didn't screw it on properly and and it water all over you. Yeah, that one's bad. Like like I was saying, my preferred hockey prank is definitely like a little clear tape on the on the blade and nobody will ever know. Like yeah, I can't say I've done that one. Yeah. That's oh, the skate good. blade. Okay, I thought you meant on the on the blade to stick, and I was like, no, I don't think I've ever that done do? that one. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I don't. What would that do? Like, I've never seen that one before. But on the stick, oh, on the skates, yeah. Oh, that's dangerous. <laughs> that's a dangerous prank. <laughs> that's a classic one as well. Yeah, that one. That one is definitely a, a classic that we see. The who's uh, apparently Mark Andre Fleury is like the biggest yes. prankster in the NHL. I've heard a lot of podcasts. Where teammates, former teammates of his, will be like that guy. Like when he has, he sees an opening for a prank on somebody, he takes full advantage. Yes. I don't know who the prank guy is is on Toronto. Who do you think? Like I feel like Bunting would have been the prank guy, but he got pranked. I know. I'm not sure who you know who, who I, and who was it that actually did that? Was it the team that set it up? Like was it their I social media team that I set don't. it up for content, knowing they'd have him mic'd up? It just seems like too much of a coincidence that he was mic'd up and also maybe. pranked on the same day. <laughs> maybe I don't know actually who uh, who did the prank. They were just laughing. Like yeah, <laughs> called him Michael. Hey Michael, how you doing, Michael? <laughs> I don't know. Oh but, Michael. Uh, 
Yeah, it's it's nice. When when uh, things are going well, you're winning a lot. Uh, I guess you you have a chance. It's the dog days, right? And an opportunity to just laugh and have fun. At the end of the day, it's or at the end of the day, it's just a game, and it's supposed to be fun. So you know, blowing off some steam in practice. Imagine it was Tavares who did that. I don't see I know. it, but imagine he's out there being the, the biggest prankster. That'd have been hilarious. Justin Hall, I think, for some reason, oh, I feel like Justin one. Hall would be uh, a prankster. He's he's kind of a funny dude. I feel like he's got some. I feel like he could do something like that. Uh, all right, on the other side, let's get into your night last night. I mean, there was the Leafs, and then right afterwards, the CHL Top Prospects game. And uh, Craig Button was on the call. He's going to join us also uh, in the 1 o'clock hour. We also got the Thursday 3-pack that will be coming up as well. I got some off-the-radar trade targets for the Maple Leafs that I've put together a little 3-pack for. I'll unveil that in the next hour. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tashiri. It was in the Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050.